Legal discussion on Tip Today is brought to you in association with Lynch Solicitors Clan Mel on the web at lynchsolicitors.ie and at divorceinireland.com. And John Lynch from Lynch Solicitors is with us a little earlier than usual today. How are you, John? I'm asleep, I think. <laughs> You're asleep. <laughs> We're covered in microphones not, in here, I'm as not, you can yeah, see. Yeah, I'm surrounded by mics. Yeah, yeah. Are you having a big debate? Yeah, we're prepared for our debate, uh, okay. but you'd want to agree in something or other just to even use the, the microphones. I might say anything else, but anyway, <laughs> we're, we're looking forward to it. You're going to continue with Wills, John. Is it, is it going to be as interesting as the election in the North under and over in... UK. Yeah, and that was very interesting, very, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Interesting, the, the, the increase there where the Alliance Party Yeah, well, I was over, North. I was actually in the UK, I was doing a charity cycle in the UK over the weekend, mm. and uh, I was asking them, you know, what did they think? Uh, this is a total aside now, but what did they think, you know? What exactly was this, did this vote mean, you know? Mm. Did it mean... And it meant as much as we've heard all along. Nobody really knows what it means, whether people are so browned off with the Conservatives and so browned off with Labour. And in the North, it mm. would appear to be that the Alliance Party has been the major winner in it. So, yeah, you know, yeah. who would want... see themselves as neither orange or green, as yeah, it was. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, um, we uh, were, yeah, yeah so we were, Wills, John. Yeah, we were talking about, we were talking about actually the function or the job that you have to do when you get the job, if you like, under the will as an executor, and whether this has any kind of implications for you, and how important that particular job is. And I was talking about a case last week, and I have another case this week, which kind of illustrates, if you like, what can go wrong in terms of administering an estate. And what I mean by administration is that... um, you're effectively, the will has been made, um, the person has died, and now the, the, the job is to do whatever the will says. <coughs> and under those circumstances, normally under a will, you would appoint an executor, so you'd nominate somebody who would do the job for you. And the question that I raised last week was that it's quite a serious job, and in the case last week, you may remember that the it was the son who was given the job, if you like, to carry out the wishes of his mother under the will. But he was somewhat conflicted by that because he effectively was kind of left out in the cold, or at least he felt he was left out in the cold, mm. insofar as the farm, which he had worked from a very young age, was in fact given over if he didn't have children to his sister so but to make a long story short in that particular case they actually took an action against him in damages uh, because one of the sisters said that by reason of the fact that he he failed to administer the estate she suffered a loss and she established a loss and by reason of establishing the loss she managed to get compensation in the, to the tune of I think 25,000 uh, euro but the interesting thing that the case brought up which can often be the subject of a telephone call or an inquiry to me, which is, what about this executor's year, John? You know, what does that mean? And what's the impact of executor's year? And it's something that is in our legislation that basically says, if you like, that you've kind of got a year to do the job. And if you don't complete the job within the year, that you could 
be open to um, a claim by a beneficiary. So that raises... Through the courts? Through the courts. In other <coughs> words, that you're entitled to say to somebody, you've got a year to do it and you haven't done it. And But what it does do, or what this particular case, because this case... It was about maybe five, six years after the mother had died that eventually things got sorted out and at that stage it was through litigation. But the the judge in that case was faced with a situation that there was a delay of, say, four or five years and nothing had been completed. So that raised the spectre of, well, does the executor's year kick in and are you kind of automatically... In, a, in the red, if you know what I mean, once you go past the 12-month period. And there was evidence actually given by the solicitor for the family, which basically said, look, an executor's year is a benchmark. And effectively, you have to look at all the circumstances before you can say that somebody, if you like, has gone into the red after a year, that there are obviously varying kinds of estates, there's varying kind of complexity and varying kind of issues that can arise. And that under those circumstances, you can't just simply apply a kind of a ballpark, one year end story and that's it. And the judge in the partic- in that particular case looked at the facts and didn't find that, if you like, that the executor or the, the son who was attempting to administer the estate, that he was at fault under the context of that one-year period and felt that when you looked at all the circumstances, the reason for the delay could have happened anyway, irrespective of the circumstances of the case, because of all sorts of factors about rights of way, about septic tanks, etc., etc., etc. So, to make a long story short, in the other judgment that I had to look at when I was looking at this whole area of, you know, your liability as an executor and how onerous the task is, the other issue that absolutely jumped out at you when you looked at the case was that the minute that the, not the minute, but as soon as the uh, son became aware as an executor that he was in trouble, i.e. that there was an issue that was going to cause him a conflict as an executor, he should have in fact renounced. So he should have done what they call a renunciation. And a renunciation basically is, it's, literally says, I don't want to do this job Mm. because of whatever. You don't have to have a because, by the way. You can renounce as an executor anyway. And I think that... And who does it revert to then? Well, then it's whoever is next entitled to do it, if you know what I mean. So a beneficiary could step in and be an executor. So it's it's kind of, there's any, there's a kind of a list of people that could... Take up the mantle, if you like. And, and what if there's a difference of opinion on that as to who should be the executor? Basically, whoever makes the application, you make an application to court. And to if court? There was, yeah, if right. there was a dispute, like, like, let's say two or three siblings wanted to do it and they couldn't reach an agreement on it, well, then the court would make a decision as okay. to who would do it. So, but this other case is, a, is another interesting example of what can happen. And one of the things that I thought was kind of jumped, again, jumped out at me, if you don't mind using that expression again. When I was looking at the case, I thought the judge made a comment which I thought might be very badly taken, I'd say, by the parties involved, or certainly by one of the parties involved. He made the comment that the administratrix 
and I explained the difference of an executor and an administrator in a second. But the administratrix, he said, which was a lady, i.e. the mother in the picture, he said that um, she was operating on the principle of mother knows best. And I could imagine her cringing when she heard that. But what happened in the case is very indicative of what can happen in a family situation. And what happened was that the father died. He had assets north and south. He had assets in the north and assets in the south. Had quite substantial. He had farm assets in the north and farm assets in the south. He had daughters and he had sons. And he died in tested. So that's where the administratrix comes in as opposed mm. to a testatrix. So no will. No will, exactly. Administrator is mm. where there's no will. Testatrix is where there is a will. Or testator. Um, although I suppose in the modern world now we may change it to a kind of a, a neutral Indeed. term. But yeah. uh, the, the, what happened in this particular instance was that there was assets north and south of the border. North of the border was a farm. South of the border was a farm, and there were various other assets as well. There was cash assets in banks, etc. And the mother uh, had control of the assets. I had an entitlement to the assets, or managed. You were talking about, you know, the, the who who who's entitled to do what. The same principle applies in terms of entitlement to administer the estate. Mm-hmm. That will often fall on the person. In this instance, the 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 widow, if you like, would be the first person in line to be entitled to do yes. that. If she decided not to do it and stepped out, then it would go to the children, and that's that's the way it, it works. If you know what I mean, from a legal perspective. But what she did was she transferred the assets in the north to two of the sons, i.e. the farms, to two of the sons. And she transferred them to them at a value, at a market value, say, just for the sake of argument, it was 400,000 or something like that. And she transferred it to them. And this is what she said that she did. And she did it in a way that she said to the sons, look, there are, let's say, three daughters there. I want you to pay them their notional share of the 400,000. So there's five E. Let them get a fifth each of whatever it is you're supposed to pay me, and I won't take any money from you. That's basically how she did it. And she did it both north and south of the border the same way. Now, bear in mind that this was... This whole thing came to light about 10 years after the father died. There was that much of a gap in when this thing actually hit the court system, both north and south. Uh, In doing that, of course, what happened was no payment was made to to the sisters. So they didn't get paid by the brothers who, if you like, got to transfer the assets. There was also monies in an account and those monies found their way into directly into the mother's account and not through the normal channels which would be that you should set up like if you're going to administer an estate you have to do it under the rules and under the rules would say that you should have an account and all of the you should gather in the assets of the estate so your first job as an executor is, first of all, to identify them, if you like. Gather them in. That's the term that they use. So you kind of put everything together, if you like. Mm. Put them all into one account and then deal with them or manage them. She didn't do any of that. And the 
it was only when the application was made that the there was an offer made by the sons to pay the sisters. You you wonder what kind of a relationship there might have been there uh, in that they were literally 10, 12 years before they actually managed to get any benefit uh-huh. from the estate. But the on the norther, northern side of the border, they made an application to the High Court in the north and the High Court judge looked at it and said, well, there was a failure under a number of headings, but the most obvious one was delay, that there was nothing done for a period of time. There was a second obvious failure because, and again, bear in mind that these are the kind of issues that you're looking at when you're looking at administering an estate or looking after an estate. You're looking at delay, which is the first one, and that was the first one that the judge both north and south. And when I say north and south, you see, it was almost like a mirror action that happened because the case was taken first in the north against the mother. And the judge in the north found that there was culpable delay on her part. He found that she didn't gather in the assets at all and that she absolutely didn't do the job that she was given. And it was interesting because having done that, they then had to do the same thing down south because what happened up north was that they appointed a a firm to actually administer the estate. So down then they came down south, as in when I say they, I mean the beneficiaries. And what happened in the north? Did that in any way influence what was going to go on in the south? It didn't influence... What went on in the South, but it obviously influenced the outcome of yes. the application in the South, if that's not been too uh, obtuse about it. I mean, the Northern one wouldn't be binding on the Southern mm. Court, yeah. but obviously the same facts arose again down South. But I mean, you can imagine the cost of all this and the issue of cost in all of this. And the, so basically when I came back down South, an application was made and again, the same thing happened. And the judge looked at it and said, look, you know, you failed in every respect. And the mother as administratrix was removed from her job as administratrix. And under those under that circumstances, then somebody, i.e. a company was appointed to nominate, to literally carry out the instructions, not the instructions, sorry, to apply the legal principles mm. of intestacy. I mean, what also happened in this particular case, which was that the husband, the late husband, was entitled to a share in his father's estate. And one of the key things was an application was made and the wife uh, basically made an application for, you know, the... Uh, payments, the single farm payments, mm. she made an application for single farm payments, basically saying that she was entitled to two-thirds of her husband's share in in his father's estate, which, of course, was incorrect. It would, it would she'd only be entitled to thir- two-thirds of his share, which was a fifth of the estate. But she made, she said, well, I'm entitled to two-thirds. And then the sons then said they were entitled to the balance. And then that was the single farm payment. And this went on for how long? This went on for 12 years. 12 years before it came to a head. So I suppose in summary, all I'm really saying is that, you know, to remove somebody as an administrator is easier 
than to remove remove somebody as an executor. Okay. The reason yeah. being is that as an executor, you're appointed by the deceased, whereas the other one you're appointed by law. Mm. So the the the, the the threshold is higher in the case of an administrator rather than in the case of an executor. And in case I leave the impression that's an easy thing to remove an executor, it isn't. Mm. I mean, basically, just because you're not happy with the pace that it's moving at, just because you're a little bit unhappy with the way the executor is doing their his or her job isn't sufficient right. grounds. There must be a kind of extraordinary, not extraordinary, but, you know, unusual circumstances that would arise. Right. And so it has to be done through the court. It has to be an application to remove them through the court, exactly. Right, okay, very interesting indeed. There's some uh, questions in for you, if that's okay, John. Um, Somebody asking, um, uh, roughly, how long would it take to sort out somebody who had a will made uh, after they they pass? So the will is made. How long does it take to... I suppose that's a piece of string, is it? It is, yeah. It depends on the complexity of the estate. It depends on how many, what kind of varying assets are involved. It depends on whether or not how easy it is to identify. Like if you if you take it that it's a it's a two step process, first is identify and gather in, and second part is distribute. Mm. So if if you look at it like a two step process, you must first of all find out what's involved, and the quicker you do that, the quicker you're in a position to start the process. But you can't start until you find that out. So if there's any delays in trying to find out what's involved. Like, for example, it isn't the case in this instance because there's a will. But let's say you're not sure whether there's a will or not. Or let's say you're unsure as to whether this is the last will or not. And you may remember, we've often talked about yeah. that, that you're in a situation where it it, lo- it is a will. It look Like, there was another case, Supreme Court case, where, for example, there were two wills. And there was one will in Italy and there's another will in Ireland. And the whole issue that came up was each will revoke the other will kind of thing. Did they revoke the other will, etc.? So... So your your starting point is to ensure that there is and you have the most up-to-date will and whether that slows the process down or not. The next thing then to find out is what are all the assets in the estate? And I mean, that brings in mind a case that I was involved in quite a considerable number of years ago where the poor individual who died suffered from Alzheimer's or dementia, actually. He suffered from dementia. And he he got it in his head that the the the, the state was after him, uh, i.e. the revenue commissioners, which isn't an uncommon mm. paranoia in terms of the revenue commissioners being after you. But anyway, he the, this poor devil used to go off and lodge money in accounts all over Ireland and take them out of one and put it into another. So in that particular case, it took us quite a considerable amount of time to establish the assets of the of of the deceased. The next step then when you've done all that is you've got to lodge the papers within your revenue and as in revenue commissioners. So you lodge the papers and they've got to approve them so that you've got your time period in terms of dealing with that. They approve it and that's dealt with. And assuming you get through that, then the next thing you've got to do is put all that together and put your papers together and put them into the probate office. So your next step then is how long are they going to take to deal with that and what kind of time like that there is in that. I mean, the probate office, for example, here in Tipperary, were very lucky in that the probate office went missing for a while, as in it went back to Dublin Mm. and then it came back to Larnmel. So obviously, (laughs) assuming that, you know, there isn't a delay there, then 
that's the period of time. And then when that happens, then the next step is what we call gathering in the assets. Uh, sorry, is is liquidating the assets, if you like, and doing whatever has to be done. So that's distribution phase. So obviously mm. then it depends on how long the distribution phase takes. So when you add all those together, at a, at a very minimum, it's very hard to see it done in anything less than maybe six months or so at the very simplest mm. cases. The, the case you mentioned, is it unusual for somebody with a, a big portfolio of land and uh, assets like that not to have a will? I would imagine that's very, very unusual, yeah, isn't it? It is, but yeah. it's not. Sure, look, Fran, as you know, uh, as I've often said to you, it seems to be one of the biggest... Uh, difficulties that we all have mm. making a will and you know I sympathise with people but it is probably I mean the amount of my clients that say to me John you can beat me off the head if you like you can drag me into the office just so that I'll make the will and the amount of times I have to say that I've been stopped on the street by clients saying to me I'll be down to you now I I'll must go with you I must come down to you <laughs> so what I'm thinking of doing is carrying some sort of a device on me so I can do the will on, on the side <laughs> oh, I love it alright John always a pleasure thanks very Thank much indeed and thanks Thank for you. coming into us uh, earlier than usual today as well.